This program contains grown-up themes and language that the FCC doesn't like. Use your common sense. You're listening to Beautiful Red, a novel by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at darusha.ca slash beautifulred. Four. Jack woke again to the chirping birds, each peep sounding a bit like a tiny jackhammer to her aching head. The first morning of the weekend often started this way, though usually a few hours later. She silenced the birds, rubbed her eyes, and banged her way through her tiny apartment to the water. She drank down a couple of glasses and tried to convince herself that she felt better. She grabbed a hot breakfast packet from the box and chucked it in the zapper. She turned on the coffee, and while everything was heating up, she found some comfortable clothes. The zapper dinged and the coffee machine pinged, and Jack took her food and drink to the table. She ate and drank offline, becoming less aware of her headache, more aware of her surroundings, and thinking subconsciously about the previous day's revelations. She knew what she was going to do, she just didn't want to admit it to herself. Security was a good job, that was sure, and promotion would make it an even better job. Hell, she might even be able to move to an apartment with a bedroom, or eat real food more than once a week. But none of that was worth committing a crime. Jack was fully aware of that, but she also knew that the real motivation for what she was going to do had nothing to do with Bellis, her job, or any of the other possible gains. The real reason was that it was exciting. It was what she had trained for, and it was what she had done for fun before she got into security. It made her brains throb and her skin itch but in a good way. She was going to break into Byside. It was either break in or forget the whole thing. Technically, there was no crime in just connecting to the Bella system, since all users had to authenticate, and the actual connection was out of her jurisdiction anyway. But she knew something was up, and she had to find out what it was. She had to get in there, and she had to get out again without being caught. This was going to be fun. She fired up her display and headed straight for the Escher. She set the basic encryption on and tunneled into the Bella system through the security back door. She messaged Jill as soon as she was in. He answered immediately. Hey dudes, read your report. Not surprised you called. You saw it too? Yep. Weird. Nothing wrong with it, though, officially. Dunno. Me either. You going in? How did you know? Don't read someone's reports every day and not figure out a thing or two. Back me up? Course. Jack let out the breath she didn't realize she'd been holding. She wasn't so sure you could get to know a person from daily reports and shift-change banter. He could have just as easily laughed her off as offered to help. She drank a little water and forced her heart to slow down. I'll set up a secure voice line between us. What's your handle? Aces04. Aces04? I play cards. Okay, whatever. You'll know me as Jack-o'-lantern. Cool. Later, dude. Jack disconnected, and on her display saw herself walk over to the main entrance to the museum. There was a wall of archaic telephones with seats in front of them. She sat at one and lifted the receiver. Jack-o'-lantern to Aces 04 secure, she said into the mouthpiece, and almost immediately heard Jill's voice, as if he were in the room with her. Hey, Jay, he said. What's your plan? 
I'm going to break into Byside system and find out who or what was connecting to our eastern system, she said matter-of-factly. Okay, he answered. I figured that. But I was wondering more specifically how you were going to accomplish that. Leave the details to me, Jack said. But I'll need you to monitor the nets to see if I'm leaving any traces. And let me know what their security are up to. Can do, Jill said. Keep me posted and let me know if there's anything else I can do. We can't be letting them catch you now. I don't want to have to put in the overtime. Jack laughed and started heading toward Byside system. Her three-dimensional interface was theoretically good enough to render anything on the nets, but she had never tried anything as complex as a major corporate system. Her program automatically looked up architectural plans for Byside's buildings and rendered them as the embodiment of the system. It would never be a perfect representation. Extra rooms would have to be created or corridors filled in, but it beat WIMP or even a command line by a country mile. The rendering engine was pretty fast, and as Jack felt herself walking toward the horizon, she saw the building grow in front of her. There were guards patrolling the perimeter, representations of the firewall that protected the system. There should be a break around the 357th node, Jill said. How do you know? Jack asked, staying out of the guards' field of vision. You're not the only one with mad skills, you know, he said, chuckling. Most of us security old-timers got our start hacking. Jack had forgotten that Jill was significantly older than she was, a fact easy to forget in this era of wrinkle-resistant skin and de rigueur body modification. Sorry, man, she said. I'll head for the 357. She snuck around the side of the building and was beginning to wonder if Jill was as competent as he claimed to be when she saw it. A tiny area unpatrolled by guards, where if she approached it just right, they wouldn't be able to see her for the shrubbery and shadows. She crawled over to the break, and when she got to the building, she found a small grating in the side of the wall. Crap, she said. I need tools. I'll have to go back. Hang on. No, don't, Jill said. What do you need? Jack rattled off a list of well-known cracker scripts and a few utilities that just happened to be very useful. In a couple of seconds, Jack felt the unmistakable heaviness of a download. That should do it, Jill said. I just dumped my toolbox on you. Jack looked down and saw a small brown sack materialize at her feet. She opened it and smiled at the contents, programs rendered as physical tools. The sack included a few lengths of pipe, some bits of wire, bolt cutters, putty, dog biscuits, wire cutters, one of those reinforced paper biohazard suits, a couple of knives, and even a handgun. Jack wondered what types of shenanigans Jill got up to with this toolbox. She pulled out the wire cutters and got to work on the grate. The blades were sharp and well-oiled, and she was through in a few seconds. She stuffed the cutters back in the bag, which she strapped to her belt. I'm in, she said, as she crawled into the duct, pulling the remains of the grate behind her to cover her tracks. All quiet on the eastern front, Jill said softly. Jack grunted her understanding and continued crawling into the building. She was using dual imaging, a technique that most people had become accustomed to, and people in her line of work found to be like a second nature. Technically, one image was projected on one eye, while simultaneously a second, completely different image was projected on the other. After some practice, a person could get pretty good at watching two different things at the same time, with almost 100% attention on both. Jack was seeing the graphical representation of herself cracking by side system, while simultaneously paging through a spec document she'd unearthed some time ago detailing the creation of a standard corporate system. She knew that this system would be slightly different, and could theoretically even have been designed from scratch, but she was banking on the general lack of innovation in the corporate world 
preventing any radical modifications on the usual design. If she were lucky, and the original by-side designers were typical, there should be a grating to her left in about a meter, which should open into a cache that was on the other side of the authentication barrier. It looked like the by-side designers were true to form as she reached the grating. She whispered, Here goes nothing, and clipped away with the wire cutters. The grating fell to a clang a story below her. Jack held her breath, then whispered to Jill, Anything on the radar? Nope, he said. It's like there's nothing there. Good, she said. I think I'll be okay. She dropped into the cache and found herself in a cavernous warehouse space, filled with books and shelves, filing cabinets stuffed with documents, old monitors hanging on the walls showing scrolling logs, and boxes and boxes of who knows what. Small boxes and documents continually fell out of a small hole in the ceiling into a pile that was sorted and filed by small drones. They paid no attention to Jack. She found the door and listened for footsteps on the other side. She knew that the imaging construct didn't represent activity audibly, unless there were also visuals, but natural habits are hard to break. She put on the light gloves from Jill's toolbox and pushed the door open. The hallway was empty, and she stepped into it, almost expecting klaxons to go off and emergency lights to illuminate the hall with pointers to her location. But the door merely swished shut behind her, and the hallway remained dark. According to her spec document, the hallway she was in was an admin area that had branched into the area of the system from which the strange login had originated. It was a low-security area, which was helpful for Jack, but it was curious. Jack followed the spec as if it were a map, turning left and right according to its directions. Things were going smoothly. Maybe a little too smoothly, she thought. All of a sudden, she saw something approach her from around the next corner. It wasn't a person, which made sense. There would be no reason for an admin to do the poking around in here. It looked sort of like an android and sort of like a drone. It was about half Jack's height and one and a half times her width, with arms and legs like a humanoid machine, but nowhere near as elegant as an android. But more importantly, it was followed by several others just like it. Jill, she whispered urgently. Yeah, I see it, he answered. Don't worry, it's just the cron jobs running. They won't notice you. Jack knew intellectually that this was true but she still held her breath as the first robot went past her. It didn't even slow down, but made a beeline for one of the corridors. Its compatriots followed suit, heading in their own pre-programmed directions. When the last one had passed, Jack let out her breath and continued following her route. After a few minutes more of twists and turns, she found herself at a door which read Client Service Delivery System. That's odd, Jack said. What? asked Jill. It looks like the login came from the client service delivery system, she answered. That sounds like it should be an input-only area. Hmm, Jill said. I'll see if I can track down anything about it. I'll get back to you. Jack double-checked her spec and her notes on the logs from the Bellist Eastern system. This was the place, all right. Jack walked up to the door, drew her breath, and pushed it open. On the other side was a circular room, with what looked like racks and racks of disk. There was clearly a lot of data being stored here, but the buckets of data were hardly the most interesting part of the room. It was all the doors. There were doors all the way around, door after door after door. As Jack thought about it, it made sense. Client systems usually had to accommodate a large number of connections simultaneously, so this room needed a lot of entrances to let the clients in. Fair enough, she thought, and started to look around. 
At first everything seemed normal, but then she noticed a few things out of place, items that shouldn't be there. There were a few items on the floor that looked suspiciously like the tools she herself was carrying. There was part of what might have been a glass cutter over by one of the racks. Jack picked it up carefully, wrapped it in a tissue, and slipped it in her bag. Looking further, she found a rectangle of wood, which she popped into her bag as well. She thought she'd found everything when she spotted what appeared to be a piece of paper stuck under one of the doors on the other side of the room. She pulled it out and saw that it was a map, similar to the spec document that she herself was using. The partial map gave Jack an idea. Chill, she said. I'm here, came the reply. Can you get a hold of an accurate spec of the BSCDS? Should be able to, he answered. Those things are usually semi-public. Just sit tight and I'll get it for you. Jack looked around the room. Who are you? she wondered. How did you get here and what did you want? Got it, Jill said. It should be coming down now. Jack's head felt a little heavier and then became normal again. She called up Jill's download and pulled a blueprint of the room she was in out of her bag. Unlike the specs she had been using, which showed this area as simply a room, Jill's map was accurate down to the number of discs on each rack. Jack held the map up before her eyes, then removed it from her field of vision and compared the two images. Identical. She turned around slowly, comparing what she saw. Same, 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 different, same. Wait? Something was different. But what was it? The doors? The doors were wrong somehow. But how? There were doors all the way around the room, and it was the same in the map. Jack looked down, then up. Then it dawned on her. Too many doors. There were too many doors in the room. She counted the doors and the map, then counted the doors in the room, and that confirmed it. There was an extra door in here. She compared the map in the room again, this time specifically looking at the doors, and she found it. The extra door. Jill, she said. I'm here, he answered. What's up? Things might get weird in a second. What are you doing? he asked, sounding concerned. Jack didn't answer, but just opened the extra door. She stepped across the threshold, and the moment when she knew there was nothing beneath her feet and that she was going to fall seemed to last forever. There was nothing on the other side. Oh, shit! You've been listening to Beautiful Red by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at d-a-r-u-s-h-a dot c-a slash beautiful red or subscribe for free at audiobooks.com The theme music is low-level format by Bjorn Fogelberg Learn more about Bjorn's music at fogelberg.com and you can buy the album Karushi Porn at magnatune.com If you have feedback, I'd love to hear it Leave a comment on the website send email to darusha at darusha.ca or call the listener line at 206-339-8577. Thanks for listening.